Good morning. The reading today is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 10 to 4, verse 5. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season to come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Shall we pray? Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, help that to be true for us. Amen. Amen. Well, we are looking at this idea of teaching that connects. And I've called this talk, Preach the Word. You know, once a month we're going through this mission statement to try and be very clear what it is that we stand for here. Last month we did good news to share. We've got to be sharing this gospel with other people if it means something to us. And this week, teaching that connects. What, what is our teaching? What is it that we do to help people understand it? How can we help them? Now this famous passage, you've got your Bible open, uh, 2 Timothy 3. Uh, Paul's impassioned plea to Timothy, his last letter that he wrote, to get this clear, what your job is going to be. And it's a principle for all people in churches. What's the prime purpose of a church? It must be to teach people the word of God and to enable us to live by it, to encourage us. Now, what is the Bible? 
It's a key question. Look at 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, what do we mean by God-breathed? It's a strange word. Well, when, when we speak, we, we make noises because the air goes through our larynx and over our tongues. And this is really a way of saying God is speaking to us through his word. It comes from the Old Testament. If uh, There's a, a bit back in uh, Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And in a typical Hebraic way, they're linking the two. It's the, the word of the Lord by the breath of his mouth. It's a, a wonderful little way of saying God speaks to us through, through his word. Now, God's word has great power. Uh, he created the universe by it. Do you remember how Genesis started? God said. <laughs> and any Orthodox Jew today would, would agree with this idea that God communicates with God's people through his word. How many books are there in the Bible? 66. How many writers? A bit stickier there, 40, roughly. Uh, written over two and a half thousand years? Different styles, different language, different understandings of the world and of politics and geography. But behind it all is God speaking to man. The, the words used are human words, but in them, God speaks to us. As I say, they're written in the context. They were written of that time. But they speak to us something timeless. Do, do you remember what Paul wrote to the Romans? Romans 3.2 These are the very words of God. That's why a Jew has a great benefit. Jesus himself was absolutely adamant. Scripture cannot be set aside. It can't be. He also said, you're wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the Word of God. Unfortunately, that could be said to us today in many churches. There are many people who, uh, who try to listen to God in all sorts of ways. You know, the, the typical Quaker meeting, where they just feel God speak to them. I was interested, um, do you know about the Oxford group? Part of Rose's family, the, uh, they became moral rearmament. Started as a, a, an Orthodox Christian group, but gradually they encouraged people to hear God speak to them every morning as they just focused on him. There's a real problem there. That they believed then that that was how God spoke to people. But it can give rise, as it did, to all sorts of misunderstandings. Yet today, there are many people who say, Ah, God told me this morning. 
beware anyone who talks like this. It's a, it's a way of causing great problems. This is why the sermon is so important in a church. But only if we're teaching people what the Bible teaches. A preacher who uses the opportunity to advocate his own ideas uh, about how the world can be a better place should be banished from the pulpit. But if they invite us to open the Bible and to think about what God is saying to us here, then that's wonderful. There's some places that think that worship is more important than listening to God's word. That's terrible thinking. What God has to say to us is far more important than what we say to him. Our worship should always be a response to what he says to us. <laughs> Some years ago, there was a Lambeth conference. You know, all the bishops from all over the world met together. And there's a very godly bishop, Paul Barnett, was invited. And he was sitting on the panel discussing human sexuality. Uh, it, he was, gave a summary of the teaching in the Bible about marriage and how this is a lifelong commitment of one man to one woman. At this point, a liberal American bishop uh, spoke up. I believe we must preach against such teaching. <laughs> so startled were some of the African bishops on this committee that they actually walked out. It's a mute point whether that's a wise thing to do because it left Paul Barnett and one other bishop to uh, fight their corner. It weakened the orthodox cause. But Paul Barnett uh, asked this uh, American bishop, why do you oppose the teaching of Jesus? Huh, the reply shot back. Since the church wrote the Bible in the first place, so it may rewrite it in the 20th century, if they wish. Could you answer that one? It's an astoundingly arrogant attitude, but it still persists and is actually getting worse in many denominations. People think that they can rewrite scripture or leave bits out that they don't like. The church didn't write the Bible. Let's be absolutely clear. The prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament wrote to the people of God the words of God to correct their thinking. God wrote to the churches to draw them back from apostasy. A lot of the New Testament is controlling the way people think. Yeah, they, they were human beings. But then you say, well, weren't they prone to error? No. Paul is reassuring all Christians that, look at verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. And Peter said the same. Well, all the apostles did. Uh, 
he addressed this very same question. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. The Greek word for carried along there is quite interesting. Uh, it's also used in the Bible of a great gale that a ship had no power to go against. It was driven along by this irresistible wind. Men spoke from God so that no one can rewrite the word of God. All we can do is understand it, understand it in its context it was written. But these are the very words of God. Do we all really believe this? A few nods, yep, yeah we do. But what's the proof that we do believe it? That this is how God speaks to us. The proof is in the eating. <laughs> you know, are we reading it every day? Do we really think this is how God speaks to us? Are we sharing what we've learned with other people? Because we know this is God's word to our society. The African bishops at the Lambeth Conference, the ones that walked out, said, you Westerners gave us the Bible and now you want to take it away from us. And they rightly felt betrayed. So, what is the Bible? First point here, it is the word of God. You go through the whole Old Testament. The prophet said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, well, what's the Bible for? Our passage answers this. Can you look down and see it there? Uh, it answers in two ways. Verse 15. The scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. It teaches you how to be saved. Verse 16. It's useful for teaching and training. So there are the, the two purposes of scripture. Teach us how to be saved, how to get right with God. <coughs> Yesterday, I was talking to a Muslim couple, and it was lovely. I'd given him a, a, a tract when I met him before. And this time he said, I'd love to come and talk to you about these things. A Muslim couple, just being open to the word of God. It's such a disaster, therefore, that the scriptures aren't being taught in our schools. Thankfully, the Sunday club here is doing just this. But it's also, it's happening in many churches now. People are not being trained and learning how God speaks to people. I think it would be a fascinating thing to have a, a national test for all churchgoers in this country, asking very basic things. How is a person saved? How do we grow in Christ? What's the purpose of a Christian? And to see how many, uh, how they get on. I fear that we're not training people in our churches. <laughs> Can we all explain to someone how to be saved? Because that's what the scriptures are about. 
Look at verse uh, the next bit. How God wants us to live. It's for training in righteousness. So, one hand, it tells us how we can get right with God by becoming followers of the Lord Jesus. But then, it's how are we meant to live now we're Christians. Look, look at 14 and 15. What a great privilege Timothy had. Yeah, his father, we know, is a Greek. Timothy is a Greek name. But his mother and his grandmother were people of the book. They were Jews who loved the word of God and they ensured that, you see there, from infancy, you have known the scriptures. In a family, that's our job if we're parents or grandparents. Do you all have Bible times whenever the children are with you? Teach them the word. <laughs> Just imagine it, dear Timothy as a young lad, either in the morning or in the evening, as they read the Bible together, they discuss it and, uh, and discuss contrary views, debate it. What's this mean? We, we've just had our, our 14th grandchild and called Lois. Why Lois? Interesting, people look down. <laughs> it's the beginning of this book in, in 2 Timothy. That's the name of the grandmother who taught Timothy the word of God. What a great, great woman she was. But as for you, continue in what you've learned. Now that's interesting, isn't it? The word learned, it doesn't mean have a vague idea about it. It, it means learning it. Convinced of, debated it. Is it really the word of God? How does it fit in with modern science? How does it fit in with all the other queries, the discrepancies there are in scripture? How do you answer that? Well, there you are. You know from whom you've learned it. Now that's interesting. You know, many of us were uh, taught the Bible by uh, Parents, people that Christians in their church, <coughs> look at their character. You know the people who bothered to teach you the Bible. Wasn't there something special about them? I never forget my dear godly mum. She always went into her room every day to read the Bible, to have a quiet time with the Lord. Never forget it. That was her priority. But what can't scripture do? Now, scripture cannot save us. I've just read The, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And in this, if you don't know, it's the story of a, a man who goes on a bus trip from hell into heaven. And one of the people on this bus who was in hell was a theologian. Uh, and when he got to heaven, he met another person in his department who actually was a Christian and went to heaven. Uh, and they had some very interesting discussions. Both had studied the scripture, but one, it had led to salvation 
and the other not. Scripture can't save us. Let no means of grace can save us. Reading the Bible can't save us. Going to church, having the sacraments can't save us. Lord's Supper, Confirmation, Ordination, they can't save us. No, faith in the Lord Jesus, a personal commitment to him, is the only thing that will save people. All scripture does, all the sacraments do, is to point us to the Lord Jesus, who alone is the source of how we can be saved. Look at 15. The scriptures make us wise for salvation. You know, our schools and our universities should be centres where all of life is brought together under one head. That's what they used to be. That's the origin of the word, university. You get unity out of diversity. It all makes sense. These places of scholarship are important. But if the source of all is forgotten, then no harmony, no unity can be found. And we're seeing that. Our scholarship can never save us for eternity. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthians on that one. Do you remember at the beginning? Uh, he quoted Isaiah. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Paul asked. Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosophy of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. You cannot get to know Jesus Christ, to love him and want to follow him from worldly knowledge. Man cannot find God without Christ. Some years ago, uh, Sir Ralph Richardson, he was interviewed by an old friend, Peter Hall. Uh, this was six months before uh, Sir Ralph died. He had a sudden stroke. Uh, anyway, Sir Ralph asked Peter Hall, do you believe in God? No, Peter said, I just worry. <laughs> then Sir, Peter, Sir Ralph said, oh, I do, I believe. I try to be as decent as I can, not to hurt anyone much, you know. I don't think I've been too bad. I was thinking the other day, when I die and go to the pearly gates, do I expect a chap there to welcome me and say, oh, no, sorry, I do expect a chap there to welcome me and say, hello, Richardson, come on in. That's very revealing, isn't it? That's typical of people today. He thinks he'll be acceptable before Almighty God because he tries to be as decent as he can. If we can be saved by being decent, why bother with churches? Why bother with anything? <laughs> I met a, a man walking my dog last week uh, and we started talking about Christian things uh, and I asked him, tell me, how do you think 
you'll get on when, when you meet God. Oh, he says, I'll, I'll muddle through. <laughs> I don't really think about these things, he said. What a tragedy, because he's going to meet God. How these people desperately need to hear what the Bible teaches. That no one is right in God's sight. We've all sinned. This is what the Bible teaches. Everyone must hear the awful fact that God's anger remains on all unrepentant people. No one will be saved by the nice way we live, our works. Salvation is only a gift of God, given only to those who are committed to following Jesus. That's the Bible's message. <laughs> we'll muddle through. I mean, it's hopeless. But what else can't Scripture do? It can't save us, but it can point us to Jesus. I think it needs saying that the Bible is not a textbook about everything. Don't go to the Bible to learn about how to solve quadratic equations or learn about uh, nuclear chemistry and isotopes, geology, physics. It's not a textbook about that. It's a textbook about how God wants to relate to human beings. It's written by men with the state of knowledge of that particular time. If you're interested in this, I've just read a, a fascinating letter that Galileo wrote to the Grand Duchess Christina in Tuscany. That's in 1615. And he brilliantly discusses this tension how some church people have misconstrued the words of Scripture to say that the advances that he discovered, and which we all accept now, can't be true. And he quotes the words of a cardinal friend of his, Cardinal Baronius. He says, no, the intention of Scripture is to teach us how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. Well, what should Scripture achieve? Look at verse 17. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. Well, that's obvious. Thoroughly equipped to live for God as he wants. You see these, these four words that are there. They're in two couplets. Teaching and rebuking. We should teach the truths of the faith, positive, refute error, negative. Then goes on, correcting and training. Correcting is stopping what's going wrong. A lot of the New Testament is about that. Training is positive, how Christians should live. How we need again to learn how God wants us to live. Surely our job, if we're a teacher in a Sunday school, in a home group, or just teaching your friends, are we training people to do this? It's something we're discussing at the moment. 
Are we really learning scripture? Are we teaching people how to answer things? I'm very grateful when I was, uh, became a Christian as a student for groups like the Christian Union, Navigators, Campus Crusade, who really trained us in how to think. And I just wonder if we're missing something in local churches today. I think it's got to change. Church leaders' jobs is to train people in Scripture. There's a survey done uh, quite recently, 4,000 lay people in the States in 114 different churches, uh, evangelical churches. They're asked, do you feel the preaching on Sunday relates to what's going on in your life? Over 83% saw virtually no connection between the preaching on Sunday and what they faced on Monday morning. That's a tragedy. I was interested to read recently what it meant for someone who's about to be ordained in the Church of England. This is interesting. The bishop asked them, do you believe the Holy Scriptures are uniquely revealing the Word of God and containing all things necessary for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? I do. Do you believe the doctrine of the Christian faith which this church has received? And will you expound and teach it with diligence? I believe it and will do so. Will you be ready to banish error in doctrine with sound teaching based on the Holy Scriptures? With God's help, I will. Will you be diligent in prayer, in reading Holy Scripture, and in all studies that will deepen your faith and fit you to overcome error by the truth of the gospel? With God's help, I will. Isn't that wonderful stuff? Oh, that it was going on. See, one of the marks that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and we know that God speaks to us through his word. If we're not clear on this, that God speaks to us, we have the mind of God here, we're going to be in dire trouble. But as we say, to, to say, yes, we believe, is easy. The proof is how we treat it. Are we all having a time set aside every day to read the Bible, to study it? You know, get some explore notes or some other guide. Do, do we share with others what we've been learning? John Bunyan, you know, he spent 12 years in uh, Bedford Prison for teaching this very material. He felt people must understand the message of, of the Bible because they weren't hearing it in the churches there. Twelve years. But he wrote, he says, I was never out of my Bible. Let's just finish. Uh, I've got the wrong version in my, my thing here. Let's just read through again this, uh, this bit in 2 Timothy 3. Someone got the, the new new version here that I can read it? Have you got it? It's up there, isn't it? 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 6, 14. 
But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through, through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Then he applies it to Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But as for you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's pray for ourselves. Lord, we do pray for all of us involved in this church. Help us to really be people of the book, people who study it, who love it, because we know that you, the almighty God, speak to us through it. Lord, help us in this, we pray. Help us to train each other up to be faithful to you. Amen. Amen.